We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? I would probably pick it up and not put it on Marcus Mariota to win a football game. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, of course you would. So so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Oh, you don't really pick winners, do you? No, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I do, and then bet on the loser. <laughs> well, I go to my bookie because it's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win, uh, unlike Kyle tonight betting on the Titans. Barring, barring a miraculous comeback. So uh, but, many L's, dude. <laughs> but let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's a great point. Uh, do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did also, you know you don't bet on Marcus Mariota. Keep going. <laughs> Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half, it looks like your bet is going to lose. It Kyle. is. <laughs> you can always just take the other side and take Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night football. Yeah. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay un- unless you pick the Titans. All of your picks come if all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's a very depressed Kyle Madsen, who put a little bit of his hard-earned cheddar on the Tennessee Titans on the road tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Kyle, how is that going for you? Uh, Well, Corey Davis just made a sweet one-handed catch matched up against Jalen Ramsey. And I got to tell you, Chris, the Titans are driving. (laughs) 
it would be uh, given the way we did that opening my bookie read. Uh, there's there's like 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter as we're recording this, and the Jaguars are up 17 nothing. Uh, so hoping just for the sake of the longevity of this pod that the Titans don't come back because that that opening read will will not age well. Yeah, it's a great point. That's a really good point. Um, but it would make me look great, and I would get paid from my bookie because you play, you win, you get paid. Unless you pick a loser and then you don't get paid. So we're going to try to figure out as we preview week three for the 49ers hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in their home opener at Levi Stadium. Um, who's going to win? So we're, we're going to, we're going to try to break things down a little bit, talk about the news of the week. Um, first of all, obviously we have to address that Ben Roethlisberger is done for the year. So it's going to be Mason Rudolph making his first career NFL start on Levi's at Levi stadium on the road against the 49ers team. That's obviously two and zero coming off their two road wins in Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. And, and Kyle, I'm sort of of the mind that not that uh, I'm picking the Steelers for a pretty dramatic upset here, but I do think that Pittsburgh is going to be more dangerous than the six and a half point line would indicate. Uh, just because this is a team that hasn't had a losing season since 2003. Mike Tomlin is obviously a very good coach. Uh, I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are all that good. And, and while I do think the 49ers should fancy themselves as, as a playoff contending type team, as long as things keep going on, on this current trajectory. I, I do think Pittsburgh is going to be a tougher opponent than that line indicates. And Mason Rudolph, I don't know that he's necessarily going to light things up on Sunday, but the, the fact that he's an unknown and, um, and it sounds like reading, you know, reading into the coverage in, in Pittsburgh, the Steelers are really confident in him. Um, and he's not a rookie. It's his second year the, the Niners have spoke highly of him based on the, the limited film they've watched mostly from the preseason. So we'll have to see how good Mason Rudolph is. But what, what do you think about just generally the Steelers as an opponent in, in their current state without Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I feel like six and a half points is is pretty reactionary as far as the point spread goes. Mason Rudolph, like he was a third round pick. There were some draft people who had him as a first round talent. And he played well after Roethlisberger went out. And you got to figure that's going to be a tough situation for a second-year quarterback to come in uh, in a game like that against a good opponent in Seattle. He went 12 of 19, 112 yards, a couple of touchdowns with an interception. Like, that's certainly not bad. And at Oklahoma State, he was a prolific passer in his final year, 37 touchdowns, nine interceptions. The year before that, 28 touchdowns, four interceptions. Like Mason Rudolph is not a bad player. And the 49ers might, you know, be able to throw a couple things at him that he's not ready for and make him make a couple of mistakes. And there are definitely some shortcomings in his game, but I I, I don't think that this is going to be a walkover win um, for San Francisco. And you hope if you're the 49ers that you haven't gotten complacent. See, see, Roscoe agrees. Mm-hmm. Um you would hope that the 49ers haven't gotten complacent starting two and zero because this Steelers team, they're well coached. Uh, They have a ton of talent, especially on defense. They've still got playmakers on offense. And if Mason Rudolph is even a passable quarterback, they can very easily win this game. Yeah, and and Juju Smith-Schuster is still a really good player, and and he hasn't totally gotten off to to the start that he would hope for yet. 
uh, Vance McDonald revenge game. He returned to practice this week. Or, uh, sorry, on on Thursday, we were, were recording this Thursday night. He had a he had a back injury that he was limited with Wednesday. James Connor returned to practice in full capacity after dealing with a knee injury. There was some question about his status going into this game. Obviously, it looks like he's going to play. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we still don't know exactly what to make of this 49ers team, right? Like, we do know that they're much more talented on defense. They're forcing a lot more takeaways, obviously. They have four in two games after having seven all of last year. Um, they have interceptions from cornerbacks and linebackers already, multiple, which didn't happen at all last season. And yeah. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is back and mostly healthy, um, but it's it's kind of a different version of Jimmy Garoppolo, and and I still don't really know what to make of him. And, and looking at some of the numbers, I mean, they, they just say that the 49ers are running a different kind of offense, and maybe Kyle Shanahan doesn't necessarily trust Garoppolo uh, like he did back in back in 2017. So going back to last year, uh, we talked a little bit about this before recording the pod, but Garoppolo's air yards per attempt or air yards per completion are way down. So so the basically the distance the ball travels before it gets to its target. Uh, the air yards per completion last year, just in those three games before he got hurt, uh, 6.6 yards. Now it's 4.9. So that that's indi- indicative of more bubble screens, more short passes, slant routes, things like that. Uh, and obviously it's only a two-game sample, so we don't want to overreact. But a lot of that too was he threw that pick six early in Tampa. So Kyle Shanahan was like, all right, we're going to play to our defense. It's going to be a ball control game, and we're going to throw a lot of short passes. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm expecting the Steelers to come out and try to force Garoppolo to make throws deep downfield. And with the 49ers receiving core being relatively inexperienced um, and Garoppolo coming back from the injury and being prone to to making bad decisions uh, and, and getting intercepted, getting intercepted, then – you know, you wonder if if that's the formula that the Steelers are going to try to employ, particularly with, uh, with with Justin School playing left tackle. They want to have more long developing passing plays, so they're. I would expect the Steelers to play up close to the line of scrimmage, try to take away the running game, try to take away those short passes that work so well in Cincinnati, force the Forty ers to go deep where you have to put Justin School in position to do those long pass protection sets. And then, you know, can Jimmy Garoppolo react to that uh, and play well in that kind of game? Because we haven't seen him do that in the first two weeks. Yeah, he hasn't gotten pressured hardly at all. He's gotten to basically sit back uh, and and read the field and, and make plays. We've seen him get pressured a couple of times. We've seen him have to to, to run for, for a couple of first downs, but... I think we're going to see Sunday a very aggressive Steelers defense. TJ Watts, a very good player. Stephon Tuitt's a good player. Cameron Hayward's a good player. Um, Bud Dupree is not quite living up to his expectations, but he's still a really talented player. I think they're going to throw a lot of different uh, blitzes and different different ways to put pressure on Garoppolo that he hasn't experienced yet this season and hasn't experienced yet since coming off that ACL. And I think that's what really worries me the most is how does he respond to that pressure? Is he making the right read? Is he getting rid of the football? Is he taking a sack rather than uh, making a an ill-advised pass to the boundary that gets intercepted and taken back for six? I think those are going to be very, very important plays 
is when he's under duress, is he making the correct read? And is he, is he avoiding those backbreaking interceptions? Yeah. And we're going to learn about how well the 49ers know the system and Kyle Shanahan's scheme, because that's what you do in situations like this is you go deeper into the playbook, right? Like early on, in a coaching tenure, like the first season, the 49ers are running basically a limited version of Kyle Shanahan's offense. In year three, you you should know the full breadth of it. And I'm talking about the offensive line, the running backs, the tight ends, the receivers, everybody as a collective being able to run multiple different types of game plans and multiple different types of personnel groupings. Whereas you might be doing sort of an abridged version of all that early on. So when teams approach you differently, uh, can you adjust and play a different style of game? I think stylistically is is really what's going to make this game interesting because also from a from a defensive standpoint for the 49ers going back to Rudolph too, um, but sticking with the offense for for a second, like are the 49ers going to be able to do that drop back game? Because we don't know if they are. We don't know how Debo Samuel really does in that scenario. And I think it was really encouraging. The first play of the second half in Cincinnati was a deep drop back pass. Samuel ran a good route, an in-cutting route over the middle that he took for a huge gain that really yep. sort of set the tone for the blowout in that third quarter where the 49ers outgained Cincinnati 222-8. to eight. Uh, can the 49ers do that on a consistent basis? Can the receivers do that on a consistent basis? Can Dante Pettis do that on a consistent basis this season? We haven't seen that. Is George Kittle going to be, um, you know, is he going to be more of a factor in the downfield passing game or are the Steelers going to do all they can to, you know, double and triple team him and force those receivers to win one-on-one matchups? Are the 49ers going to be able to run the, run the ball as well as they did in Cincinnati? They're not going to be able to run the ball for 250 yards every week. Right. Like Matt Breida is going to get bottled up at some point. We don't know how good Justin School is in the outside zone, which is such an important factor in what the 49ers do offensively, setting up play action, moving the pocket to alleviate pressure and all that. Uh, going back to Garoppolo, he's been he's been hurried four times, which is crazy, like four Jeez. times to get hurried four times in two games is pretty impressive. And and I think it speaks to both Shanahan's play calling and how well the offensive line was playing before Joe Staley got hurt. Garoppolo has been hit just twice in two games. uh, And the only sack the 49ers have allowed was just kind of like a botched play call slash bad read in that, that game in Tampa where it looked like it might've even been a handoff, but uh, the, the, there was pressure there so early that Garoppolo couldn't even get the ball out to his running back. So the Garoppolo really hasn't taken a, a real sack yet. So, I guess the point, the the broad point I'm trying to make here is that we've seen two completely different games from the 49ers in those first two weeks where they struggled in Tampa, they played a defensive game, and then they went to Cincinnati, the offense really got going, and it was the complete opposite type of game. So what style are the 49ers going to have to win by on Sunday is the big question because the Steelers are an unknown because we have no idea what Mason Rudolph is going to look like. I'd imagine it's not going to be right. nearly as as effective as Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, I'm not going out on a limb there. But you look at the the Steelers' depth chart and, and what they have on offense. Like Dante Moncrief, the receiver, hasn't been particularly good for them. Juju Smith-Schuster is still a, a good player, and they do have a good offensive line in the sound running game. But you look at that receiving core, like... Ryan Switzer, we don't know about James Washington yet. He could be a really explosive player for them. 
uh, obviously knows Mason Rudolph really well from their time together with Oklahoma State. Um, yep. You know, I just don't know if the Steelers have the same group of weapons that they had previously to where, uh, you know, I'm not saying they, they could they could have replaced Ben Roethlisberger uh, more easily last year, but when you have Antonio Brown who can get open against anybody and basically any coverage, um, it, that makes things easier on quarterbacks, right? Like, I don't know that they have the supporting cast to elevate a backup quarterback in Mason Rudolph right now. So I'll be interested to see that. And we got to talk about Levi Stadium. Like, the 49ers haven't had a winning record coming into a home game since that Thanksgiving game in 2014 in the first season in Levi's existence. And it's all been pretty miserable for the most part. I think the Niners are like 15 and 25 at Levi's since then. Um, so it's, it's going to be a game where the 49ers are really hoping to get a home field advantage out of their crowd. And that could be enormous because you're talking about obviously a rookie, uh, not a rookie quarterback, a second year quarterback making his first career start. And the Niners have momentum of, of starting the season two and on the road, which is a huge boost going into, going into really the meaty part of their schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think what's going to be important for the 49ers uh, on on Sunday is with Joe Staley out, it kind of feels like whatever they can get on offense, like they just have to get by on offense. Uh, what they're going to have to do now is, is really have the defense that they've invested so heavily in, kind of put the team on their back. And you have an inexperienced quarterback. You have a defense that's playing like one of the best in the league. And now's a chance to to kind of show it. And like you said, especially at home at a place in Levi Stadium that has a terrible reputation. They've not had a home field advantage. Uh, it's It's been such a non-advantage that it is a talking point with seemingly every person who who speaks every 49ers person, whether it's Shanahan or Sala or Richard Sherman or whoever, uh, Quan Alexander was tweeting about it. Like Levi Stadium is has a chance to to shake its reputation of kind of a a dull Silicon Valley building because that's really that's really what it's been. And if the 49ers are they, they they're going to need I think against against a very like I said well coached Pittsburgh team who probably isn't as bad as they were the first two weeks, they're going to need every advantage they can get. And that includes, that includes the crowd uh, at, at Levi's. Uh, I went on a, uh, a food tour uh, of all the, you know, the, the team showcase some of yes. the new offerings uh, at Levi's stadium in, in yeah. terms of food. Um, if the food is, is any indication of what sort of home field advantage Levi Stadium could could offer this year. It's I think the trajectory is pointing upwards. Uh, a lot of really good, a lot of really good stuff, like really good tacos, really good uh, curry, like Indian food. I've never seen Indian food at a football stadium. I love before. a curry. Um, yeah, a lot of good chicken tenders. You can get chicken tenders, like a bunch of different kinds of chicken tenders, all throughout the place. Uh, there's going to be blue line pizza, which is pretty good. Like both deep dish and thin crust, uh, they're going to have salt and straw. So in terms of the, uh, the food selection, they're, they're really trying to do all they can to improve, uh, at, from recent seasons. And I brought lunch today. I didn't need it. I'm saving it for Friday. 
so I was pleasantly surprised with with all the positive things going on at, at Levi Stadium in terms of the food. And I don't know if that's going to have any impact on the game Sunday in terms of the crowd. Maybe everybody will be in a food coma <laughs> and, and it'll be up for you should, it'll be yeah. up to the 49ers to give the crowd energy rather than the crowd giving the team energy. You should ask a player the next time you talk to them how they feel about the food spread and if it will serve as a home field advantage at all. Yeah, we you can read about that at the Sacramento Bee, sacbee.com slash 49ers. <laughs> Feature long read think piece coming soon. Let's take a quick break. There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article when you spend all your time at the sacbee.com slash 49ers? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing your time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. Every morning you'll see the best stories from around the sports world, from the NBA and NFL to niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up. Sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. Read it in five minutes in the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Maybe about the food providing a home field advantage to Levi's. Uh, not only will you be Deep caught up, <laughs> not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is a free curated. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself a favor. Sign up for the Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I subscribe to it. It makes me feel more informed without spending the time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Try again for free 99, sports.axios.com. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-way shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, let's talk about a little bit uh, more news this week with D Ford, who mispracticed the first two days uh, of, of this week with that nagging knee tendonitis. He left the game in, in Cincinnati on Sunday at halftime. Looked like he tweaked his knee again um, on a passing play. The team's calling it quadriceps irritation. It seems like 
uh, whatever connective tissue there is between uh, or whatever the issue is, it, it's, it has something to do with the connective tissue between D Ford's knee and his quad. Um, John Lynch went on KMBR today and, and sounded cautiously optimistic, hoping that they could get D Ford right. He said it's improving. Uh, we'll have to see if he gets on the practice field Friday. Nick Bosa, of course, going into last week's game, also missed Wednesday and Thursday's practice while the team was in Youngstown. So yeah, it'll be basically, I mean, it'll be pivotal for Ford to get back on the practice field Friday to give him a chance to play Sunday. If not, it might not be the worst thing in the world because like we're like we've talked about, you are going up against a backup quarterback this week. And the 49ers have their bye after the game. So it essentially could give Ford two weeks to get healthy um, before the Monday night game hosting the Cleveland Browns in week five. And you have a defensive line that's playing pretty well overall. Even without Ford on Sunday, the 49ers had four sacks. Uh, Bosa didn't register one either. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Ronald Blair, Eric Armstead. Uh, Who had the fourth? Am I missing somebody? Anyway, the 49ers can replace Ford with Ronald Blair. Oh, Solomon Thomas had a sack. Um, The 49ers can feel good about replacing Ford with with any combination of those guys, I would think. Although the Steelers do have a pretty good offensive line, probably a lot better than than what the Bengals fielded on Sunday. Um, But I don't think losing Ford in this particular game would be a huge loss, but getting him healthy for for the rest of the season is obviously going to be really important. What, What do you think? the 49ers should do in in terms of the way they go about replacing Blair or sorry, Ford. I, I, I think you're right. I think Ronald Blair showed last week that, that he's, he's a very capable player. I'm not sure you want him to start 16 games for you, but if you're rotating guys in and he happens to get a few more snaps as part of a rotation, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, Eric Armstead has looked the best he's ever looked. Uh, lining up at defensive end. Uh, that's where he started Sunday's game against Cincinnati and came up with a sack. First play of so the game. I, 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 yeah, so I think um, I think they have the bodies to do that. And really what it comes down to is what the medical staff decides, right? Like if they decide that, or if they determine that extra rest isn't going to do anything, then play him if he can't hurt it worse, you know? But if they say taking a week off and then getting that extra bye week means he could be closer to a hundred percent for the rest of the season. Then I think that's absolutely something you do because I don't think D Ford is probably going to be the difference between the 49ers winning and, and losing on Sunday. They have other ways to generate pressure and they have other guys uh, who I think can, can pick up the slack for one week. Uh, just going through the numbers on this 49ers defense, and I know it's a small two-game sample size, and they haven't played a, a elite quarterback yet, um, but it's just pretty remarkable how much different this defense looks from a production standpoint than last season. But they're allowing opposing quarterbacks to have a 69.7 passer rating, which is the fourth best in the That's league true. after being second worst in that number last season. Um, they've allowed just three touchdowns total, Really only two because uh, that one, that long John Ross catch and run on Sunday came with a minute left in the game. It was obviously well into garbage time and it came against backups. Um, it's just it like I, th- this is sort of the best case scenario for the 49ers defense through two weeks. Like I don't think anybody could have thought that 
or, or should have expected this defense to be this good from the jump. And I, and I do think there are ways it can get better. I think Nick Bosa is a three down player when he's fully healthy and, and he's only been playing, you know, less than half the snaps so far. Obviously D Ford has been nicked up and, and he had a sack and forced fumble after leading the league and forced fumbles last season. Um, and we've talked a lot about Akella Witherspoon, who Roscoe's fired up to, to hear about, um, who's allowed, I think, what are the numbers? Like three, have to go back and look. Three, three completions and 14 targets. That's, yeah. that's a uh, 21.4% completion rate. Um, no touchdowns. Quarterbacks have that's a nine. Good. FYI. Quarterbacks have a 9.8. Uh, passer rating when targeting a Kella Witherspoon, which is which is good enough. <laughs> um, really, the weak point that'll do. Yeah, the weak point right now for for the starting defense is probably in the slot with Kwan Williams, uh, who's allowed seven completions in nine targets, <sighs> including a touchdown, and and that was that Tyler Eifert play in the first quarter of of Sunday's game. One hundred fifty five point eight passer rating when targeted. Um, I think if if you look at where the 49ers could have made a difference in terms of uh, uh, maybe a trade target, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's ironically going to play for the Steelers on Sunday at free safety, would have made sense to if the 49ers wanted to make that kind of deal to play in the slot. I don't know that they would have given up a first round pick for him. So it was probably a smart, a smart trade for the Dolphins from that standpoint. But um, I do think Jimmy Ward and I don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. He's probably going to be a game time decision like he was last week. He returned to practice. I do think when Ward is healthy, he's probably going to end up working like he did in that third preseason game where he was the free safety and base downs and then kicked down to the slot uh, when three or more receivers were on the field and nickel and, and dime. And then you have Tarverius Moore, obviously playing free safety. Jimmy Ward should probably offer you a pretty sizable upgrade at K1 over K1 Williams. Um, who has probably been the weak point in the secondary to this point. Also should point out Jaquaski Tart missed Wednesday's practice with a toe injury. He was back on the field on Thursday as a limited participant. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the 49ers secondary shakes out from, from a health perspective. Um, but well, what are you looking for from, from the 49ers defense Sunday, particularly going against an unknown and somebody like Mason Rudolph? I think that... We haven't seen the 49ers blitz a lot. I think they've blitzed only on like 10% of their their snaps, I think I saw, from NFL matchup, which was the lowest rate in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if they throw a couple different blitzes at Mason Rudolph at some point to see if they can throw him off, force him to make a, a bad throw or a bad read, and and just really do their best to make him uncomfortable. Because the worst thing you can do for a quarterback making his first start is just let him sit in the pocket and pick your defense apart. Even as well as the 49ers quarter cornerbacks are playing, uh, giving him easy throws, letting him get in a rhythm. That's, that's a recipe for disaster for the, for the Niners defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do what they can to generate pressure through blitzes, you know, bringing, bringing, whether it's K one, uh, not K one Williams, but whether it's bringing Quan Alexander, uh, from, from, <clears throat> from the from the second level or or blitzing safeties or corners or whatever they have to do i think they just have to throw some different looks at mason rudolph in an attempt to to get him to make some mistakes especially early in the game so you know who leads the 49ers in in blitzes on uh on pass rushing situations jaquaski tart it's kwan williams 
Dang. Oh, good guess. He's second. Kwan Williams has four. Jaquaski Tart is three. Quan Alexander has two. So the 49ers have 11, have blitzed 11 times. Um, they say, well, where, where I'm getting this data says D Ford has blitzed twice. Um, D Ford's a defensive end. I don't think him rushing the passer should qualify as a blitz. Point, point still stands. The 49ers have only blitzed nine times in two games, uh, which is a very low number. Um, and so to your point, it would be interesting if they did that again. Uh, one more little nugget, I guess. Uh, Tavarius Moore hasn't been targeted. or he, he, Sorry, he's been targeted just once. Um, there have been no completions with him in coverage yet. And, and I'm curious to find out as the sample size grows. Obviously, it's only two games. If that's because he's playing particularly well or it is just a small sample or if, you know, I, I, like I, we don't know what kind of player Tavarius Moore is yet. And so we can look at the rest of the defense and say, you know, the pass rush is obviously playing really well. Richard Sherman and, Ken- and Akella Witherspoon are obviously playing really well. The linebackers are playing well, but we don't know what that means for Tavarius Moore, who is a really important player over, you know, the broad picture of the secondary and the future of it, I should say, going forward, because, you know, he's a third round pick. He's a projected starter. He's signed for for three more seasons, including this one. You don't know if you're going to keep Jimmy Ward beyond the season because of the injury issues that he has. So the fact that he's only been targeted once hasn't yielded a completion yet is a positive for sure. But um, I'm curious to see what happens with him as the sample size grows, because he is pretty new to the position. I know he did play in college, but he played cornerback last year and, and moving, switching positions early on in your NFL career can, can be difficult. So, so far he's handled it well. Uh, curious to see how that goes. And uh, I think that's it. The fact, I think the fact that, I think the fact that Moore hasn't stood out as bad early on is a good sign. Yeah. Like he hasn't gotten beat badly over the top. He nearly had a pick six in, in week one. So I think, at least for 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 the 49ers i think early returns on that are are fine he, i mean he hasn't made a horrible mistake yet which which is is an upgrade from from what we saw from that position last year so yeah uh Quan alexander very good at football so far yeah good player that's my that's yes. my Quan alexander take when he's healthy he's good yeah no he he we we talked a little bit before the podcast about this, how Nick Bosa affected the game uh, against the Bengals without really recording a stat, but he was just around the quarterback a lot. Mm-hmm. When he was in the game, he just seemed like he was he was forcing the issue in the pocket. Quan Alexander was was not the opposite, but but different in that he was around the ball, but constantly making plays. It felt like there was a stretch there early in the second quarter where where Alexander made every tackle. Yeah. And then he came up then he came up with an interception. It was just it was uh an incredible performance by him and it's become apparent very quickly and I think Richard Sherman said this today. It's become apparent very quickly why he got paid what he got paid. The 49ers had a plan for him on defense and it's it's worked through the first two weeks because he has been a a monster i'm gonna knock on my cheap ikea uh wooden desk because uh obviously you never want to talk about injuries and and then have somebody go out and get hurt but just like 
the 49ers have had such bad luck with ACL injuries and signing guys with, you know, coming off ACL tears and obviously Jimmy Garoppolo's knee injury last year that Quan Alexander suffered his injury two months after Jarek McKinnon did, uh, two and a half months after Jarek McKinnon did last year. And he's back. He was back at full health, like very early in training camp. And obviously McKinnon had a couple setbacks and isn't playing this season. Uh, Garoppolo is still getting a lot of treatment for, for his knee. Um, it's not like he's playing Mm -hmm. through a ton of pain, but his knee is still a thing that he has to think about and something that he still feels right. Uh, Quan Alexander is flying around like he's hundred percent healthy. And I know not every ACL tear is, is equal. Um, but the 49ers might have actually gotten a little bit of, of good luck when it comes to dealing with, with a player coming off an ACL tear and, and, you know, obviously, we, we give the team a lot of grief for some of their past decisions with, with ACL injuries, but I think you can look at this one and say maybe the 49ers did something smart by taking a chance on a guy coming off that ACL injury. And, and I am not a doctor, nor have I seen Alexander's medical records, so maybe it was a, a very different kind of tear than, than what these other guys have gone through, which led the 49ers to giving him that contract. But right now, paying him that $14 million a year uh, even after coming off that knee injury is looking really smart because, you know, just the attitude he brings, and I talk about it a lot, so I'm not going to say anything else about it right now, but just what what he's brought to the defense is, has been really important for them through two games. And and uh, I think the 49ers do deserve credit for that because uh, because it's been an impactful signing. Can I tell a story about jinxing a player with injuries before Perfect. we go? Go for it. Great. So I covered Sac State football in various ways during my my time in school humble there. Brag. And one of the things I did was, yeah, big time. One of these, not even a humble brag, that's just a brag. <laughs> I used to cover Sac State football. What are, what's up? So DeAndre <laughs> Carter, what up? So, yeah, DeAndre, DeAndre Carter, yeah, uh, Texans mm-hmm. legend. Ravens legend too, I think. Also also spent some time with the uh, 49ers. Anyways, uh, they, they had a wide receiver named John Hendershot who went to De La Salle, which is, which is Aaron Concord. We had a couple of mutual friends. Hendo is my guy. I wrote a whole feature before his last game about how durable he's been and this whole thing and how like he just came in and he went to work and he did this and he did that. And a big piece of it was his durability. He hadn't missed a game. Opening kickoff of his final college game, a couple days after this piece gets published, he hurts himself on the opening kickoff and misses the entire game. Way to go. Opening freaking kickoff, dude. Nice work. So, yeah. Uh, Marcus Mariota, by the way, that game just went final Thursday Night Football. Jaguars 20, Titans 7. Marcus Mariota, with just a few ticks left and his team down 20-7, to uh, checked one down over the middle that was so short of the end zone that the end zone wasn't even in the screen when the guy caught it. Uh and he got tackled immediately. Did you hedge on your Titans bet at halftime with mybookie.ag? No, I didn't, but I did have the under 38 for the game, and that hit. It was uh, 27 was the total. So. Congratulations on that. Um, maybe next time. Next time you bet a road team with a bad quarterback to win on a Thursday night game, you can hedge at mybookie.ag. Proud sponsor of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, I think that's all we got for today, guys. We'll talk to you early next week talking about 
Sunday's game against the uh, the Steelers. Do you do you want to do you want to do a quick score prediction for the listeners out there? 49ers 23 Steelers 21. Nailbiter. Okay, I'll go uh, I'll go 49ers 20 uh Steelers 16. How about that? Bunch of field goals for Pittsburgh on the road. They cover, but the Niners still win. 3-0. 3-0 for the first time since 1998. How crazy is that? 21 years? Man. Yeah, 21 years. That's wild. Uh, All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk about the Steelers game, uh, what to expect during a pivotal bye week, and, uh, and we'll talk to you guys then.